baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Dana and Parks podcast on KMBZ. Why is everyone so excited today? Oh! This town has lost its mind. Uh, By the way, uh, and I know, and I'm sure everybody's going to make a mad dash for it. The Kansas City Star came out this morning. It did not, I don't believe, I have not been to a store yet, but I would bet my money the printed edition of the Kansas City Star comes from Des Moines. Yeah, there is no the, possible way that it was the commemorative edition. No, because this was win. this was the second, this was the longest as far as actual time on the clock for a Super Bowl. It was the second longest as far as what it meant for you and me, second longest Super Bowl of all time. Only the second Super Bowl to ever go into overtime, I believe 51, Super Bowl 51 is the other one. We love it. If I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time, that first half sucked. Um, <laughs> but that second half, my God. My God. I, I, I don't think I sat down. Defense and preparation wins championships. Yes. What a weekend. Mm. Oh, and then half the show was at Nate Bergazzi on Saturday night. Yeah. Yes. We Actually, three quarters of the show was at <laughs> Nate Bergazzi. How awesome was that show Saturday night? It was awesome. Now, I didn't know. It's been a long time since I've been to any sort of comedy thing. Uh, I've been to some small stand-up shows, some small improv shows. I've never been to a big arena-type comedy show. Oh, really? So I didn't know what to expect. I thought Nate was just going to walk out on stage, make us laugh, and walk away. I was a big fan of the openers. I thought they all did a great job except for one guy who fell kind of flat. But outside of that, I thought they were all amazing. The host was amazing, and, of course, Nate killed it. The the guy before Nate, uh, the the six foot five black guy that came out. I don't know. I don't remember his name. Michael something. I did ring true with him a lot with his height jokes. Oh my god! <laughs> and when he said I'm six five, I, I immediately thought of you. Thanks. I'm like, oh, he's talking to Sam. Uh, he, I thought he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But Nate Bergazzi, when he came out, I'm sorry, but that Pearl Harbor history joke. I almost had to run to the restroom. I thought I was going to wet myself. Hilarious. He's special because we were talking about this. When you can make people laugh and you can make it family friendly at the same time, mm-hmm. but laugh so hard that you're almost in tears, that's a talent right there. There was not one bad word, and I, I monitored. And I'm not a prude. Again, I'm not a prude, right? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Well, as you were saying. Not when it comes to cuss words or not. <laughs> okay, thank Dan you. knows something. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> I'm not a prude. I, I find great enjoyment in watching a comedian make me laugh, tell great stories that I feel comfortable playing in front of my mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? And his observations about life, the oh way God. that he delivers them as almost an everyman, it, he's really, really, really good. I was surprised the place was packed to the rafters. And by the way, it was in the round – so, uh, T-Mobile Center, um, if there's nothing on the floor, right, like there's a basketball game or something going on, we'll seat 18,000. Then I, I, you've got to figure there were 
one to two thousand people on the floor at least. So that's twenty thousand people, and he did a three o'clock show. Right, that was the we second went to the show seven. we went to. So I, I don't know what the attendance was at the three o'clock. I would assume it was similar. So we're talking about forty thousand people. You have limited setup. Mm-hmm. Think how much money he walked away with. Now, I, I will say, <laughs> Quite a I lot. looked right before the show started uh, because you had to put your phones away, and the guy in our section was very serious about never uh, having your so, phone out. So was the lady in ours. Oh, my gosh, was he on she it. She was vigilant. Let's just say. I checked the, whatever, the ticket-selling websites, and it said less than 1% of tickets still available right before the show. He is so a was hot, sold out. Yeah. He's a hot commodity right now. He's, yeah. he's he the did hottest SNL a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is from SNL, which you also heard it that night. <laughs> oh, I was told this, it was going to be all new is content. Is this a George Washington one? This is the no. This is the reading. Oh, one. okay, yeah. I don't read. I don't read any books. I don't do it, and I think and I think that matters. I do think that matters. <laughs> reading, I believe, is the key to smart. That's what I've always said, and I don't do it because every book is just the most words. It. <laughs> It doesn't let up. I mean, every page is more work. It's like, what are you talking about? Put some blank pages in there. Let me get my head above water for two seconds. And then he goes on uh, later on in that skit. He talks about not learning history. Every history movie mm-hmm. I watch, I'm on the edge of my seat. I, I have no idea what's coming next. Yeah. And then I, I'm, I, don't, I don't care. I'm going to spoil the joke. Um, so if, if you're holding out for the TV special, turn us down for about 20 seconds and then turn us back up. And then he says, I'm watching this movie Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm as shocked as they are. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, who knew? <laughs> now, I had seen some clips of him recently from this tour. And so I had heard him do the orangutan joke which was funny which about was fighting orangutans and then and then seeing him live in yeah. person it was still it was even funnier well and my favorite probably was the the the, the wake up call that was mm. oh how kids oh. How, <laughs> you two people this. have no idea what they're doing <laughs> how, how, how young people don't know what a wake up call is at a hotel hold right? on my <laughs> girlfriend is older than me not by much but she's older than me she leans <laughs> over and looks at me and so goes funny. Wait, that's a real thing? <laughs> Are you kidding? I am not kidding you. And I was like, and, "Oh, honey." And oh, the yeah. way, oh boy, the way that he told that, he, he it was, mm, uh, yeah. he's, he's good. He's right, good. I, I think we've got Kathy Nelson, the CEO of the Kansas City Sports Commission, also visit KC, getting ready to call in. So we're going to go to the break just a little bit early, and then Kathy Nelson's going to join us. Everything you need to know about the parade scheduled to start at 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning. It's going to run from 6th Street down Grand down to Union Station. Same route they did last year. Oh, same route they did five years ago. Oh, same route they did in 2015. Oh, (laughs) is it getting boring yet? Uh, Text line also says DeSoto just canceled on Wednesday. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Hmm. How quickly they fall. Uh, somebody said, I attended the 3 o'clock show, and it was almost full. Okay. Water meter reader, still my favorite. <laughs> he was so good. You know, I heard about couples with separate bank accounts. When I got married, that wasn't an option. I had to protect my water meter money. <laughs> my water meter <laughs> retirement account. When comedy is relatable, that's when it's funniest. <laughs> Commander Jesse Reed.
filling in today for dinner, right? That guy over there, Sam Stevie the Third. My name is Scott on KMBZ. I believe we talked to her on Friday of last week. Let's see if she's gotten any more sleep. Probably not. She can't be that busy these days. She's the busiest woman in all of Kansas City, the CEO, president of the Kansas City Sports Commission, and visit KC and good friend of the show, Kathy Nelson. Tell me you've gotten some sleep. Oh, oh no. You know, my dad years ago told me, Big events means you need to bank your sleep. And I didn't really understand that until the NFL draft when I'm like, oh, you bank your sleep up front because you get no sleep leading in. Kathy, what a time to live in this town. My goodness. Oh, amazing. Like last night, it's just like in awe of how great this team is. Kathy, where were you watching the game from? Well, it's kind of pathetic. Um, (laughs) I was by myself. And I get nervous, and so I was doing laundry and preparing meals for the entire week and uh, had every TV on in the house. My husband was not able to be home last night, and so I just kept breathing and kept doing chores. How how is the parade preparation going? Well, we worked all day yesterday. Um, Of course, worked all through the weekend. Um, It's going well. We are. We feel like we're in a really good spot. Now it's just those final details, and then now tomorrow a lot of communication goes out tomorrow. Kathy, I love like inside baseball of these organizations when you know to learn the behind the scenes about how these things happen. So with all that planning, and then the end of the game, everyone obviously one of the most iconic end uh, plays to end a Super Bowl in all of history. When that with that touchdown catch, did your phone immediately <laughs> just start to blow up as soon as that happened? Oh, I. Last night, about 1, 10 a.m., I finally put my phone down. Oh. And then about 1.20, I had put my phone down, walked away, and then my phone was ringing, and it was someone from FIFA calling because they were in Las Vegas, and they were so excited telling me how much fun they were having. So <laughs> Give me a break. I, I need a break. <laughs> I know, but this morning I got up. I'm like, I'm quite horrified. I see that I have 452 unread text messages oh. still, so. That gives me anxiety. Wait, how many unread text messages do you have? I have 452 unread right now. So if I have not gotten back to you, it's not because I'm ignoring you. That triggers my, <laughs> that triggers my OCD right there. I, I saw the banners went up at Union Station this morning. They look fantastic. Yes, yes. George does a great job. Great job. And, you know, you're asking a peek behind the curtain. It's so crazy to think about this. We have a staff of 15 people at the Sports Commission, and it's been extremely busy, of course, beyond all of this parade preparation. And then we work with uh, Kelly O'Neill and O'Neill Events, and they have a staff of three. So it's not like there's hundreds of people working on all this to pull it together, but it's super fun when everyone gets really energized. Well, George Guastella, who is the CEO of Union Station, is going to join us at 530 here on the program. We always look forward to talking to him. He's so much fun. Um, but oh, we, so fun. we just had the mayor on uh, a few right before you came on, and the mayor said you guys are expecting eight hundred and fifty thousand plus at this parade. Do you even get to enjoy the parade, or is it just all work? Oh, I mean, it's you know what we're in the business of making memories, and so the smile on my face means that hundreds of thousands of people 
have a memory from Wednesday, and I was around in 1985. My mom worked for Western Auto downtown at the Western Auto building, and my dad hung my brothers and I out her office window, and we threw ticker tape down below. And I remember that. Like, I remember, you know, walking to my mom's office, going up the elevator, getting up there, throwing out ticker tape. And now I'm like, I'm responsible for doing that for others. So, yes, I get to enjoy it because I know in my heart we're doing amazing things for the city. That's really awesome because you are a part of creating memories, especially for the young folks um, that they get to see this. Um, You're directly responsible for creating some of these great family memories that people are going to have. Yeah, I know. And I do love that. I love and I get to enjoy it, and you see the players and how how much fun they're having, and it's just our time to celebrate. And it is a great time. I mean, the last 10 years in our city, it just, like, can it get any better? And the next year you go, yes, it can get better. We can have another Super Bowl. (laughs) Kathy, what's the toughest logistical challenge? I know there's a lot that goes into this, but in the days leading up to a parade like this, what what are sort of like the top one or two things that are are sort of the the toughest nuts to crack to get this to, to happen smoothly? Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. Everyone kind of knows their lane, if you will, of what needs to get done. But, you know, making sure those double-decker buses arrive and are, um, you know, being uh, all of the um, logos and everything are going on those today and tomorrow. But then the school buses to get all of the non-parade participants down the route and food and beverage at Union Station and then who's eating at what time and when do the volunteers need to show up and how do they get there. So those logistics were all worked on the last couple of weeks. That's probably the toughest thing. And then just relying on people to show up on time because if you miss that bus, mm. you miss the bus and that's just what it is. Is it like herding cats? Um, we're like herding 350-pound Bulls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it, those guys. It, you know, they know exactly. They would never mess around. But um, you know, you've got elected officials and you've got sponsors and um, everyone that plays a role in this. Just making sure everyone knows where they need to be at what time. Well, it's just such an exciting time. Uh, the parade starts at eleven o'clock on Wednesday morning, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what time do you, what time does the behind the scenes crew have to show up? Tuesday morning. Uh, that's more than twenty four hours in advance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The older I get, the more you're like, oh yeah, that's right. These all nighters are hard. I was going to say, are they bringing yeah. camping equipment with them, or? No. What we do, so we. Like today was a was a detailed detailed day. Everyone was in the conference room, you know, and everyone knows what details need to get worked out. And then um, tonight will be pretty calm, just putting out fires here and there. And then tomorrow we start at 9 a.m. and we are stacked with meetings. And then tomorrow night we set up. We all have hotel rooms at the Westin because you don't really get to go to bed at all. You can go freshen up, and then you're back at it. So there's no – once we get to the office tomorrow until we wrap up on Wednesday, it's not like you get any sleep. Well, this is a great problem to have in this city to keep winning Super Bowls and championships because now you actually have a learning curve where you get to kind of get the hang of this and go, okay, what lessons did we learn from our previous parade last year? Right. And that's so true, and everyone says, oh, you must just dust off the book. Kind of. But there's still so many new details. There's new people that you have to educate. And, you know, every year you want to do something different and special for the parade. This year, since it's on Valentine's Day, we have a few extra fun things we're working on. But it's oh, not nice. 
it's not just as easy as flipping the switch. When it, when it, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Jesse, I beg your pardon. When, when it comes to security, Kathy, is, is that held at the local level or does the federal government get involved? No, mostly the local level, our local police, and then they work through mutual aid, so they'll lean into other areas, and even the highway patrol. But there's certainly a heightened level of um, interest, and so Homeland Security and others are certainly involved in updating us as needed, and thank goodness our city is pretty tame and calm, but... There, everyone is aware that this is happening Wednesday. That's what I love when you hear when fans from opposing teams come to KC. They talk about how great our fans are, how how polite, how nice they are. So another reason to be thankful to be a resident uh, here of Kansas City. Oh, K- Kathy, real absolutely. quick, what? So obviously, the you're going to be putting out guidance on the website uh, for everyone that's planning on coming to the parade. Uh, what what are a couple tips that that here for the listeners that you give them as far as folks that are they're planning on going down there? What what tips would you give them? I would say arrive early. You know, we tell you that every year, but the the parade is an hour earlier, and so you need to arrive even earlier than before, and then um, make sure you find a place to park. I would try and park a few blocks off of the parade route either way, um, or park in the River Market. You can either even go on to the um, uh, KC Park app and prepay for your parking so you would know exactly where to drive to in the morning and park your car and either walk or jump on the streetcar and come enjoy the festivities. So parade starts at 11. We did move it up an hour so that you can get back downtown and enjoy dinner or just stay and enjoy Valentine's dinner and help us support our local businesses in and around the parade route. Kathy Nelson, President, CEO of the Kansas City Sports Commission and Visit KC. What an incredible time to live in this town, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, guys. Have a great afternoon. All right, be you safe, too, Kathy. and uh, we'll be watching on Wednesday. I hope you have the greatest time of your life. Again. Oh, I will. Thank you. Again, yeah, again, again. And, again. again. <laughs> and hopefully you get the greatest time of your life again, this time next yeah. year. Again. Right. All right, be safe, be well. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Right, we'll talk soon. Uh, That is Kathy Nelson, President and CEO of the Kansas City Sports Commission and Visit KC. He is Jesse Reed, Commander, former Top Gun pilot. That is uh, Sam Stevie III. My name is Scott Parks here on KMBZ. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. McKinnon is in at running back. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown! Kansas City! McCall Hardman! McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side! Here's somebody who's about to be fitted for a ring. The last one took us one year. Well, but yeah, the last one took us one year. This is the song's a couple years old. <laughs> That's how spoiled we are. <laughs> uh, from 610 Sports, Bob Fesco in the morning. Also, the sideline reporter. For the Kansas City Chiefs radio network and good friend of the show, Josh Klingler, joining us from Kansas City International Airport. Uh, Joshy Bowen. Yeah, that was all right, wasn't it? That that worked for everybody. A little Man. drama, little adversity. 
another 10 point comeback. Yeah, it's getting a little getting a little absurd now. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the environment like on the way home today? Uh, pretty. I mean, I, I didn't travel with the team. The team plane's probably about I don't know. They're probably a couple hours behind. There was kind of waves of of, of planes that took off today. You it mean was waves, pretty quiet. Wait, you I mean think waves of sobriety? Waves of nausea? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was like just keep it quiet and like you know you don't need the pilot <laughs> saying you know woo Super Bowl champs and everybody's kind of like okay it's, it's time to like be quiet for a little while so it was pretty it was pretty subdued on my plane anyway you know i was watching uh sports center this morning josh and uh, they had a really i love the statistics and and i we don't get into the the scores and the plays and all that stuff on this show but i, I do find the statistics always to be very fascinating kyle shanahan uh who i think is a great coach and a good guy has been to three super bowls two as a head coach and in every one of the three super bowls he has coached in his team has had a 10-point advantage and lost it. Yeah, twice now to the Chiefs, and then obviously the offensive coordinator in the, in the breakdown against uh, the, the Patriots and Tom Brady, that uh, gigantic comeback when he was the offensive coordinator with the, with the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this lightly. That requires therapy. Like, at some point, like, mm. you have probably really got to talk yourself into, what, what am I doing wrong in these games? What is happening in these games that this keeps happening? And so, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure those questions are happening around San Francisco today. Not that not that he's on the hot seat or anything like that, but you know he stared across the field to Andy Reid and has to walk over there after giving up double digit leads for a second time in the in the on the biggest stage. And as easy as it's been, or as seemingly as been, or it's looked for the Chiefs, we all know it's not that easy to get to that stage. And so, yeah, after San Francisco, you're still. 30 years and waiting now for uh, for another Super Bowl championship. Josh, are there some storylines that the uh, fans at home that were watching last night uh, that'll come out in the coming days or coming weeks uh, that, that kind of added to the drama? I know that famous one is from that Super Bowl in 2020 with the Wasp play, but were there any kind of dramatics that you were uh, you're able to kind of witness that, that'll be cool backstories that we eventually learn about? Well, I think when we get more and more of what the Travis Kelsey speech was ahead of of the game. I think that that one will take on kind of a life of its own. Um, I think it's very interesting that they ran basically the same play that they ran for a touchdown last year in the Super Bowl that worked again. You mean corn dog um, with mustard and relish? Yeah, yeah, or it's corn dog, and then I guess that it was called Tom and Jerry. There, there was some debate, I remember, the last go-around as to what the, what the name of it was. But, um, yeah, to think you just went right back to the well to do something in the very next <laughs> Super Bowl is pretty uh, pretty unbelievable. I just think that this one stands out to me because it was a little bit more adverse along the way. Uh, there was there was some doubt, there were some questions there, uh, you know, and they had to really galvanize and kind of accept who this team was and kind of figure it out on the fly that made this one so satisfying. And then if you believe the 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 numbers, and I think the eye test would probably prove it too. This is about as hard a road as you have through the playoffs. Mm. Uh, what the Chiefs uh, went through and, and, and did against really good teams in the AFC, especially on the road, and then a San Francisco team that was, you know, wire to wire considered one of the best teams in the uh, in the NFL. Totally. Now to- the other the other story from from and I, I don't know if Dana has, has shared this or not. I, I'm sure she caught it, but it hasn't really caught on. Um, Taylor Swift chugged a beer like on cue, uh, pretty pretty well on the camera. In the in the uh, in the stadium, I guess she was challenged, you know, to, to do a beer chug, and she 
chugged a beer and slammed slammed her uh, her cup down. So I thought that was a pretty impressive uh, thing that wasn't getting much run. I you know you love a good uh, good beer chugger. Well, by chugging, if you mean shotgunning, yes, she did. Um, yeah. Hey, what's your reaction to the Travis Kelsey Andy Reid bump in and yell at session in the first quarter? Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think I think most sports fans probably understand that there is heat of the moment. And did he go a little bit far? Yeah. Do I think he meant to kind of run into him? And Andy Reid even joked about it afterwards. He said, "You know, if I'd have, if I'd braced myself better, I didn't see him coming. I, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have knocked me over." And so I think he took it kind of lighthearted. But you know, he lets his guys kind of have passion and have fire, and and you know maybe that one crossed the line a little bit. I think it probably did. And then. I think with more eyeballs comes more scrutiny because there's a whole lot of uh, you know non-sports fans, new sports fans, new Travis Kelsey fans that have emerged on the scene, and um, you know that doesn't look great. You know, I think everybody it, where I where I'm at, everybody parent their own kid, right? You don't look for you know role models and whatever. You gotta you gotta do your thing, but there's probably some explaining to do. You know, you, we've been we've been embracing uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, and, and the waves of extra people that are now brought into the sport, you kind of have to question a little bit, well, you can't get that way with an authority figure or a boss or a teacher or a referee or whatever uh, in, your, in your daily life. So I, I think that's a little bit, um, you know, sports-related, probably not that big a deal. I think everywhere else-related, probably a bigger deal because you have more people kind of consuming the product now. Josh, we had Tim Grunhardt on earlier, and he was talking about just how football and adversity and kind of what Patrick Mahomes said on the uh, the podium last night. And, of course, you're very close to the team. You spent a lot of time with them. Um, that's really kind of this season in a nutshell was getting kind of smacks to the mouth throughout the year and then somehow persevering to make it happen in the end. Um, what's your biggest takeaway with regard to that, how the team handled this just th- all throughout the season culminating with last yeah. night? I mean, sometimes I think you need a little reality check, and I, I think it happened on Christmas Day at Arrowhead against the Raiders. Um, that was their bottom, and uh, you know if that game doesn't happen, I don't know if they're maybe as fiery to 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 run through this whole thing. You never know, but there's always kind of moments in the season that you kind of look at, and, and when did they kind of turn the corner and figure it out? And for me, it was that awful performance they had on Christmas Day. I mean, Kansas City was pretty excited to get a Christmas Day game. It's the Raiders. You should always beat the Raiders. And they go out and throw up a, a massive stinker. And then, uh, you know, figure out a way to kind of dig themselves out and, and go unbeaten since that point in time throughout the remainder of the season. And then, you know, figuring out that not everything is going to go great. Um, it, it, and it, sometimes it's looked a little bit easy for the Chiefs, especially offensively, and this year it wasn't. And I think it was pretty cool that you know, they were able to kind of work through those things, uh, figure out how to play their best ball, and then obviously, you know, do that for four games in a, in a postseason run. Um, it, it, it's going to make this one a little bit different and unique. You know, Josh, you and I have known each other a very long time. We've been in this town for decades. Uh, if you had told me when we first met, hey, in about 20, 25 years, the Chiefs are going to be a dynasty, not unlike the New England Patriots, I would have said you were absolutely out of your mind. I would have taken. Hey, how about a how about a playoff win or two, or getting to another <laughs> AFC Championship game? Um, yeah, it was just so dark, and and you felt like they were always close, but you always waited for the other shoe to drop. And and now we're in a mode where it's like, uh, no, we want to know what exciting is going to happen now. <laughs> the the shoe drops for everybody else. It's pretty great. I, I, I have you know football friend fans from across the country that aren't necessarily Chiefs fans, and I, I just tell them, hey, I don't know why. 
I don't know why your team makes it so hard. Just just get a generational quarterback, get get one of the best coaches going, draft really well, and you win a whole bunch of football games. I mean, it's like super easy. <laughs> who, who, I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. Who knew? Josh, we, we have some of the leaders that are kind of de facto, you know, the Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Mahomes. Who who is uh who are a couple of the newer faces this year that that throughout the year sort of blossomed into a leadership role and, and who are we going to be watching for next year to sort of take over some of these leadership roles and step in? Yeah, I think a couple of the second year guys to me on defense. Um, George Karloftis kind of plays in the shadow of Chris Jones, but <laughs> he had a double digit sack <laughs> year and he played he played great again he's yesterday good. and he's coming on in year two and then Trent McDuffie who was in that same draft class another first round pick of the Chiefs. Um, he is. He is captain in the making. I think he's the he's the guy that he's got all the traits. He's got the skill set. Uh, just kind of being around him a lot, I'm like, yeah. When he gets a stronger voice in that locker room, he's going to be a guy that's a, that's a definitive leader on the defense. Look, it's going to turn over. Um, you know, four years ago when they played San Francisco, there's uh, there's less than ten Chiefs that were uh, you know a part of that team. The league turns over fast, and uh, in the next four years. You know, you might not have eight to ten guys. You'll have Patrick Mahomes and a bunch of newbies around him. Uh, so uh, you have to kind of continually turn things over. But I think that there's a good young crop right now ready to, to do so. We'll see what happens. They have big decisions ahead, namely with uh, with Chris Jones. And, you know, Chris Jones might have signed a contract last night that was team-friendly. They should have probably got him last night because that was the, the best time to try to grab him when things were going great. But Chris Jones and luxurious need two of their stars on defense are up for big-time uh, raises and big-time contracts, and the Chiefs will have some uh, tough decisions and some financial implications ahead. But uh, they'll worry about that probably Wednesday after the parade. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Klingler, uh, great call last night, you guys. You guys did really well. It was fun to listen, uh, and thank you for your time Absolutely. this afternoon. Well done. Thanks, guys. All right, be safe. Uh, Josh Klingler from 610 Sports, also the sideline reporter with the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Jay Binkley, also from 610 Sports, joins us in just a moment here on Dan and Parks. So now to try the PAT will be Jake Moody to try to put San Francisco back up by four points. The kick is blocked! The kick is blocked! This could be advanced! Three Super Bowls in what, four years? Five years. Five, sorry, sorry. Sorry that I was off by one. Well, who cares, really? Uh, Jay, Jay Bakley from <laughs> 610 Sports joining us in studio. That was the key play of that game. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Just to, you know, it's just football. Dick Vermeule, you say football comes down to just a few plays. He's right. It really does. Just like that block, just the block to extra point, Mahomes and the connection and running the football, picking up the first down on fourth and one, and just it's just the little things. It is. You got to score a touchdown. The extra point was 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 a major deal. I mean, it's kind of not talked about enough after the game how big of a play that was. It completely drives the strategy from there on out. Oh, it completely does. And their kicker had missed a field goal in three straight games, Moody, and he goes out there and kicks that fifty-five yarder right, which is a Super Bowl record. Then Harrison Butker's like, uh, hold, hold my beer, hold my, yeah, hold my beer, <laughs> and he comes out and hits fifty-seven. But then this Moody gets fifty-three as well. It's like, whoa, where did this accuracy come from from this uh, this rookie? But uh, yes, he did get the extra point block because it was way too low. Where, where do you put this? Take take your Chiefs glasses off. Uh, an overtime game comes down to the last second of overtime. Yeah. Where do you put this on the well, greatest Super Bowls uh, of all time? Last second of the first quarter of overtime. 
Fair it, point. It was, fair, it, was fair point. it was still going to they be. They played five overtime. full quarters of football. Last I night. think I think the announcers did a, a pretty bad job, really, of describing the new rules. Oh yeah, the overtime rules because it made it seem like the Chiefs were up against the clock and it was clock management. <laughs> it would just rolled to the quote second quarter of overtime had they not scored in that situation. They should have explained it to Shanahan, but they didn't. <laughs> did, they, did, did, did you not know? Forty Niners don't even know. Forty Niners don't know the rules. Kyle Shanahan. I, I think he probably does, but I don't think he did a good job explaining now. to the players. Some of the players said, "Hey, we don't, we didn't understand what's going on." The Chiefs, they've been do, dealing with this since training camp. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, the professor Andy Reid has them know what's going on. But Bink, if if you're going into overtime and you know the rules, yeah, that your team is going to definitely get a shot at the ball, yeah. regardless of what the other team does. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell your captain who's heading out there, hey, if we win this toss, we want the ball second. You got to let them know. That's what head coaches get millions of bucks for. It's to instruct. This is, what they, this is their job. It's their duties to do. These players should all be on the same page. They have plenty of time to explain these situations. And it is baffling because of who you're playing. You're playing Mahomes. And Mahomes will cut your heart out at the end of a game. Why And stomp on it. Why not defer? Let the Chiefs see what they do. Yeah. If they go out and stall, they'll punt. You know, who knows what they're going to well, do. But if they score a touchdown, you're giving Mahomes four downs because he's going to go for it every fourth down to get that touchdown to match you. So you're giving him the advantage. They didn't understand that. I mean, the fact that, and I thought, I actually thought uh, the broadcasting crew did a pretty good job of pointing out immediately as soon as we got the ball after that, they said, hey, he's this is four down territory. Every single play from here on out, it's an automatic four downs. It completely changes the decision making, I think, on a third down or second down play even. Um, and you would think with a whole staff, it's not just the head coach, right? You've got a whole staff of folks up in the yeah. booth, and nobody chimed in over the bunch headset of people on the headset, hey, right? What are we going to do here, guys? Bunch of people. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop yeah, it! You I, need a guy in the. They need a guy in the booth. Everybody needs a guy in the booth saying, yes. "Come on, come on, dummy." We, we've had so many people on the air today. I don't even remember who said it, uh, but somebody made the comparison regarding Patrick Mahomes that he is, if not the greatest, one of the greatest to ever play the game. I don't think anybody would would dispute that. Yep. But he's keeping just his very presence in the league almost equally talented players from winning Super Bowls, Josh Allen among others, Joe Burrow. Um and whoever it was, it might have been Tim Grunhardt earlier, said he he's like the Michael Jordan of the NFL back in the 90s where you had so many superstar players, Charles Barkley and others who, who uh, Carl Malone, who couldn't win titles because Jordan was winning them every single year. Because he wins them every year. And the, the one that's sitting out there is the guy he's chasing, Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady got over him. Remember that, remember that game? It was an overtime AFC title game at Arrowhead Stadium. Mm-hmm. D. Ford's offside. I mean, the Chiefs could have, should have won that game. Mm. These new overtime rules, by the way, weren't intact when the Chiefs played. Because Tom Brady and the, and the Patriots won the toss, went down, scored a touchdown, won the that's game. Right. Yep, that's right. Chiefs won the change rule. Nobody else did. Then two years later, it happens against the Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen didn't have a chance to go down and do it because Mahomes goes down and scores. Then the rule gets changed. So think about if Tom Brady doesn't go to that Super Bowl. He doesn't get that Super Bowl win. All of a sudden, he's got six rings. And Mahomes, because I do believe the Chiefs would have beaten the Rams in that rematch in that game, he's got four. Then all of a sudden, he's three behind him. So that's that really mm-hmm. evens things up. That's the one that got away, the one with Tom Brady getting that extra ring. I was at that game, too. I mean, people, before they, they realized a flag had been thrown, were hugging each other, crying, yep. we're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, we didn't realize we'd be there the next year. but um, And then just the devastation when it set in of like, nope. <laughs> you know, I've lived in this town my whole life, and, you know, I'm 50 years old, and it was 94 
the 93 season, 94 playoff game in Buffalo. It was the AFC title AFC game, Joe Montana. Game, yep. And that was it, man. That was like, that was it. Then there was that 22 decade long stretch of not winning a playoff game. Scott, I went to, I went to a graduation party from a guy that ended up playing in the NFL and he's retired at this point. And I was like, this kid has never seen this team win a playoff game. Like this kid has got his whole life can legally go to a bar and drink legally. Yeah. And he's never seen the chiefs win a playoff game. I mean, it's insane how bad and bleak things it's were terrible. in Kansas city. And then think the way that it is now, I thought that first super bowl went over the Niners, not the first one, obviously Lynn Dawson and the crew back then, but the, Mahomes, the, era, modern era, yeah. the Mahomes era, I was like, nothing can get better than this. Cause they finally won it. Like, all right, they, they yeah. finally won it. Cause we were just happy at that point just to get there. Yeah. You know, getting the AC title game at home was awesome. But to win a Super Bowl, that was like it. But this one felt better than all the rest, to be honest with you. Really? It did. And I think it's because of the villain role. I think because nationally, you know, we keep a lot of receipts over there at 610 from the <laughs> national pundits that rip on the Chiefs. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. There's a lot of them. They're not going to make the playoffs. This team's not good. This team's in the tank. This team's – I mean, there is a bunch that happens nationally. And when Mahomes got booed and said, bring it, they poked the bear. Why do they keep doing that? Uh, Vegas already has San Francisco yeah, picked yeah, to win that. the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, that's great. And Kansas City is number two yeah. on their list. How does that even happen? I, I don't know. And it's funny because of expectations because I've always lobbied that Andy Reid should be coach of the year. He's only won it one time. And he's second all-time in postseason wins for coaches. He's fourth all-time in coaches' wins, but he's won the coach of the year one time. And I keep hearing, well, you got to be bad, then be good. Well, Kyle Shanahan finished fourth you, in coach of the year, and they had the expectations that were the third most odds to win the Super Bowl coming into this year. 20 seconds. Don't you think Andy Reid has to be the odds-on favorite to win coach of the year? He should be because winning and staying consistent is the toughest thing to do. Yep. Everybody, Jay, wants to, everybody wants to beat you. Jay what makes Bates, him so great is that he doesn't care if he wins it. That's right, he doesn't. <laughs> he wants a cheeseburger. Jay, <laughs> Jay Binkley Give from Six Cent Sports. Love having you, man. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Quick break. News coming up in one minute on Dana and Parks. Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at KMBZ.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 